0: Welcome back. In today's episode, I'm going to focus on helping two bikers try and find the next bikes, look briefly at gear and your thoughts on all the gear, all the time, or what you should be wearing when riding, and a very, very big planned Euro trip for the summer. And that's where I'll begin. Before I do, thank you so much, everyone, as always, for getting in touch sharing your thoughts and opinions. The best place to do so is the comments section below. And if you've got a longer story maybe with some pictures, you can email hi at tuesday at dobs.com. I'll start off with this big planned Euro trip because I've been suitably inspired by this that I've done a quick bike search straight afterwards. But let me start off with the plan. This is from Sam. Freddie, I've planned a two month road trip for this summer starting from my home in Essex up to Holyhead, which I believe is in Wales, to catch the ferry over to Ireland. Then the wild Atlantic Way will take me down to rosslare for the ferry to Bilbao. A short jaunt through the Pyrenees to Barcelona and another ferry across to the Italian island of Sardinia and then over to the French island of Corsica. I then sail back to the continent, push north through Italy, Austria, Czech, Slovakia, Poland, up into the Baltics before yet another ferry over to Finland. My mission from there is to ride around the Gulf of Bothnia in Sweden, down into Denmark before nipping through Germany and the Netherlands to catch the ferry back to Harwich in England and the final 50 miles back to Essex. The total trip will be a six, this is incredible, 6,000 miles. 9650 kilometers my bike of choice my faithful 2013 triumph tiger explorer 1200 this is by far the longest trip i've embarked on and safe to say it comes with a fair share of anxiety and anticipation sam well sam any bike that you trust to do such a huge journey on deserves a little bit of research. So the Tiger Explorer came out in 2012 and it was, as first gen release, 135 horsepower. This, this really amazes me. You've got all of that size, all of the horsepower, but owners still register an average miles per gallon economy figure of 47 MPG. That's slightly better than my Triumph Bonneville, which I find find phenomenal. I found one here, Facebook Marketplace. And this really is the time to buy these bikes now in the depths of winter. This has been listed three months ago. 2012, so the first year Tiger Explorer for just 5,300 pounds. And this has had the same owner for the past 10 years, rides as it should, everything works, comes with all of the panniers. Can you get that bike completely set, ready to go with all of the panniers for under 5,000 pounds? And they still look just as smart now as they did when they first came out. Very stripped back, that scaffolding style frame so everything's exposed. I think it looks really, really purposeful. Big fan of those. Sam, thank you so much, happy travels. Moving on to protective riding gear. This comes from Mila Abaguer. This is in response to Beth from last week, who's getting into biking and is looking to soften her fears of the dangers of biking, looking to buying or looking to buy an air vest with the high vis protection over the top. So in essence, You wear some biking gear, and then you put this air vest over the top. High vis everything can be seen. And if you fall off the bike, the air vest will explode and hopefully protect you significantly enough that you won't get into serious trouble. The first thing I want to touch on here is from Mila in Spain, because this, I believe, is a sign of things to come in the future. I think this is going to be the direction we go down with regards to making more and more protective gear mandatory a legal requirement from mila just a bit of info from here in spain from 2024 you cannot ride a 125cc on your car license you now need to pass a course so that's fairly standard in most countries including the uk you have to pass a test to be able to ride a 125cc but this is where it gets more interesting i continue also open face Jet type helmets are no longer legal and gloves with C marks have to be worn. If I go on to, just to have a look at this in some more depth, go on to visordown.com. I'm quoting here, Spain is looking to tight up its motorcycle regulations as the government proposes a raft of new measures aimed at curbing an increase in motorcycle deaths. The proposals have been published on the Interior Ministry website, along with some accident stats, yada, yada, yada. In essence, what it means. Motorcycle deaths in 2014 in Spain, 170 a year. Now in 2023, we have 286 a year. I continue. That last point is important because one of the measures the Spanish government is looking to implement is the mandatory use of either full-face helmet or modular flip front lid it also states that it is to make it compulsory for motorcyclists riding on the road to wear proper approved motorcycle gloves so not just any gloves in general for example my gloves aren't approved they would have to be CE marked and approved biking gloves I really can see within the next five to ten years open-faced helmets being a thing of the past being banned being outlawed not being allowed the legislation's already changing quickly where certain types of open face helmets aren't allowed. Dot approved helmets aren't allowed. And I can see us talking in a few years from now saying, do you remember when we were allowed to wear open-faced helmets? Because if Spain's starting it now, I can really quickly see this spreading throughout the EU, throughout Europe. Mila, thank you, I move on. On to Stephen. Hi. With regards to high vis and exploding vests, not for me, I'm afraid. I happily ride in the summer in just jeans and a t shirt, and I'd have no issue going helmetless if it were legal. This 1980s pick of me on the MT5 was taken on holiday in Greece, and yes, that was my biking gear for the week, Stephen. Stephen and I had a similar experience. Greek island of Falaraki. First lads holiday, I was 17 years old, and for some reason myself and a friend thought it'd be a great idea to get two little 50cc scooters. I had never touched a motorbike or a bike of any sort in my life. So we went to a bike rental place, and all the owner said was, ride five meters forward and brake to show me that you know how to stop. I managed to do this, my friend really struggled, so weirdly the owner of this bike rental place threatened to beat up my friend with a stick if he couldn't brake sensibly. So I was there laughing away as my friend didn't know how to brake from five miles an hour to a standstill. And after about five minutes of being threatened with a stick and screamed at, he finally understood how to do it. We were sent off on our way, no helmets, no protection, having never ridden before. I ended up having a small crash two days later and I had to pay 150 euros in damages. And that was pretty much all of my drinking money gone. So I was devastated by that. But that was the first biking experience. I move on to Ziggy. Freddy as a seasoned rider of over 40 years, an ex-motorcycle instructor, and someone who now works in the motorcycle clothing retail industry. I can say I certainly fall into the, all the gear, all the time camp. It makes me cringe when I see riders dressed in shorts and tracksuit pants and trainers. No gloves, etc. I've seen the results of too many accidents when dressed like this, and it is certainly not worth the risk of life-changing injuries or worse. Ziggy. And on to Steve. This is other end of the spectrum. As a Harley rider, I choose not to wear a helmet. I don't have to in Kentucky. I think if you want to wear an air vest or yellow jacket, more power to you. But I think for the price of it, you could buy a lot more safety gear. On to Ron, 80 year old Canadian rider. 80 years old and still riding. Brilliant, since 1961. Always had a high vis and full safety gear. Fingers crossed I've never had a serious accident and no time in hospital due to a motorcycle. On to Steph, I commute on my Honda NC750X all year round for work and I did used to, this is interesting, I used to wear a high-vis in winter months. It did not reduce the risk of people pulling out in front of you. Wear one by all means, nobody will think any different of you, but to be honest, I think they're useless. And finally to Robert, Freddie, after a friend, ran off the road at 40 miles an hour and was told by the air ambulance doctor His air vest had probably saved his life. I decided to invest in a hellite high-vis vest. Everyone seems to be talking about these hellite vests. If you're interested in this stuff, it looks like this is the go-to place. They're about 600 pounds pictured here. High-vis fluorescent vest with that air element of it so it will explode when you fall. My personal opinion, if I put this onto a spectrum, steve's on from kentucky with with no helmet and someone who wears all the gear all the time over to my left hand side with a high vis air jacket air vest i'll put myself somewhere about here i'll happily ride into town in a t-shirt and jeans but if i'm doing longer rides i'll go fully geared up so i'm probably at the more relaxed end of the spectrum moving on to buying your dream bike now Zane last week queried How do you get the right balance between buying your dream motorbike, going out there and buying the bike you thought was never possible to own, but actually having the money to enjoy it and not being crippled by the monthly finance payment and the stress that those finances are associated with? How do you get the right balance? I had some really good feedback on this, and I'll start with Clarsen. Don't buy your dream anything. Owning anything is never as exciting as you think it will be two months after you purchase it, the difference between riding your dream bike and riding your current bike will be mostly unnoticeable, except you'll be worried about where and when you ride it and where you park it. On to Ian. Today I test rode a Triumph Trident and was dead set on buying it, but then I came across the Triumph Bonneville T120 lurking in the corner of the showroom. It was more money than i was prepared to spend but i had to test ride it just out of curiosity and i ended up falling in love i pick it up monday ian that's the perfect example sometimes it is worth spending more the extra happiness that that dream level bike can provide is worth it financially there is a certain point where it's just worth it the happiness it brings on a daily basis is worth the extra money that it costs and a t120 for me that would definitely be the kind of bike that would tempt me now on to ryan in los angeles Freddie, a few weeks ago i bought pictured this is a stunner 2023 harley davidson low rider s It's not only my first Harley Davidson, but it's my first time owning a new bike full stop. I won't tell you how much I pay monthly, but we all know Harley Davidsons are expensive. Yet I can honestly say I feel no negative emotions about the monthly payment. The bike has already brought me so much enjoyment and just looking at it in the driveway gives me a rush of endorphins. Yes, it's overpriced, but when you know, you know, motorcycling is freedom, but I view financing or I view financing as a sort of freedom as well as I now have the privilege of owning my dream bike at the age of 30 PS. If any of your Southern California viewers are interested in buying a mechanically sound 1999 Honda Shadow. I'd love to get in touch with them. Brian, again, this is where finance has a beauty, because it turns dream level poster type bikes into reality. Relatively speaking, what 30 year old could go out and buy a 19 and a half pound bike, which is what this low rider S costs in the UK? It's just too far out of reach. People are worried about putting a deposit on a house and having to get a car and they've got family. You can't spend 19 or 20 grand on a bike unless there's a finance option there that's enticing enough. And the good thing about Harley-Davidson, to be fair to them, they have one of the most transparent finance calculators that you can get. It's incredibly easy to use and it starts to become tempting. Have a listen to this. Okay, I can't afford a a £19,500 bike, but can I afford some finance? I put this into the calculator on Harley Davidson. I say my annual mileage is 8,000 miles a year. I say I want to repay the total cost of the bike in its entirety in three years' time, and I've got a £1,000 deposit. Two options here one is the Harley PCP, where after the £1,000 deposit, it's three years worth of monthly payments at 361 pounds. That sounds reasonable, but I have to pay a final balloon payment if I want to keep the bike of 10,270 pounds, meaning the total payment is 23,900 pounds, and that is 4,600 pounds in interest payments over four or three years. But if I go to the Harley purchase, the HP option, again, after the thousand pound deposit, I'm paying relatively huge monthly payments of 596 pounds a month. However, I'll own the bike in its entirety outright at the end of the three year period. And I won't have any balloon payments at all. And I will only, relatively speaking, be paying 3,100 pounds in interest. So around about a thousand pounds in interest to get it on the HP option. I think that's decently reasonable. And if I were a slightly higher earner, I can see how that would be extremely tempting. Ryan, congrats on the new bike. For me, it's it's dream level stuff. I think that's a phenomenally good looking bike. Moving on to Stephanie in Germany now. Getting into biking, how to pick the right bike. My name's Stephanie, I'm 27, and me and my boyfriend, Torben, who's 33, live in the north of Germany near Bremen. Torben just bought a beautiful green Royal Enfield Continental GT 650, which he is super excited about. I'm really happy for him. The bike is beautiful. Look, I've never been much of a motorcycle kind of girl myself, but I have fallen in love with classic bikes and the idea to one day ride one myself. As of now, I don't have a license and I have no experience, except for riding a scooter a few years ago. Right now I'm thinking of potentially getting my license, the one that allows me to ride a 125cc bike. First, because I hate the stress of having to pass a test. For the 125cc license, for example, I only need to take some lessons and I don't have to pass a test. And secondly, it's much cheaper. Also because I don't have any experience, I have no idea if I'm going to stick to riding and I really don't like the idea of going super fast. I'd love to ride around slowly, just experiencing the journey and the nature. My boyfriend would love for me to accompany him on his rides as he isn't super fast himself and just enjoys the experience and it would be great quality time for both of us. So I guess my question is, Do you think it would be a good idea to start with the 125cc license and get some experience before thinking about going down the full bike license route? And if so, are there any 125cc bikes that you would recommend for me? I'm quite tall at five foot 11, absolutely love the look of classic bikes, Stephanie. Stephanie, the best tip I can give you for this is to not put any pressure on yourself at all focus only on passing that course so you can ride one two five cc bikes don't even worry about taking the bigger test once you've got the course start looking at one two five cc bikes and enjoy those and just see how you feel with no thoughts no pressure on thinking you have to keep progressing upwards and get bigger bikes and get the full license. You don't need to do any of that specifically, just do whatever you're happy with. With that in mind, let's focus only on 125cc bikes and not even worry about anything at all bigger with no plans on future big tests. I've narrowed it down to three bikes for you. It's an eclectic mix because I wanted to show a bit of everything in the market. We are in the most beautiful period we have ever been in. For small capacity motorcycles, because the amount of choice is something that has simply never been here before in the past. Never in the history of biking, to the best of my knowledge, have we had so much choice for these 125cc bikes. The first of these bikes, Stephanie, that I'm going to recommend is the Yamaha XSR 125. This is in essence Yamaha's small version of their popular 700cc XSR. It's got that unbreakable, robust, guaranteed Japanese quality. It's 4,800 pounds, so it's by far the most expensive on my list here. It's a neo classic. So it's a good looking bike, it's a sharp looking bike, but the negative Stephanie, it's not an out and out classic. It doesn't have those genuine classic lines. It's a soft nod to classic. And I'll move on now to the second in the list, which is the Honda Dax. Now this is something completely different. This is classic 1970s style Honda. In essence, they have just completely copied their 70s Honda DAX, bought it back with just enough modern tech to get it past all the emission standards and things like that, and bought out almost an exact carbon copy of their legendary 1970s Honda DAX bike, all those years ago, half a century ago. I had this bike for two weeks and I have never smiled and laughed so much ever on two wheels as I have with this bike. It's a left field choice because it's almost not like a motorbike. You only change gear with your left foot, for example, and it doesn't look like a bike in a traditional sense. But for freedom on two wheels, for pootling around country lanes in the city, there is nothing that's more fun than this. It's incredible and it's 3,800 pounds. I'm going to move on to my top pick, Stephanie. I know you love the classic look of bikes and that's why I've picked a bike that is as classically styled as you could ever imagine. As classically styled as a a Bonneville, any old Moto Guzzi, a BSA. Just picture the archetypal standard classic motorcycle and the chances are it will look almost identical to this. It's a British brand, Chinese made, but don't let that put you off because things have progressed so much in recent years. It's the Mutt xs or sorry it's the mutt gt ss 125 almost incredibly i did a double take here it's under three thousand pounds this is brand new 2995 making it even 800 pounds cheaper than the honda dax this is what Mutt say do people really go touring on small cc bikes hell yeah we've got customers who have ridden our bikes all over the place, from London across to Europe and back again. The GTSS is the Mutt with longer distance in mind. Saying that, if you just wanna ride your GTSS down to the pub to have a bit of a pose, then that's cool too. Mutt have mastered it. They've created bikes that you genuinely display in your bedroom. You'd have a a screensaver on your phone or your laptop. Dream level bikes from a looks point of view that are within the 125 legal requirements and under 3,000 pounds. I mean, spoked wheels, chrome headlamp, tiny little chrome rear light, beautiful straight exhaust following the contour of the engine at the bottom, twin shocks you name it, it has all of the classic styling cues. And the key, Stephanie, to this is that makes it for me potentially really appealing to you, is that Mutt now have a presence in Germany. They have a dealership and a showroom in Berlin, which is around about four hours from you. So I would suggest take a road trip down with Torben, go and have a look at Mutt's dealership. Have a look at this GTSS and see what you think about it, because that extra peace of mind with the dealership, knowing you can get parts, servicing, any mechanical and technical know-how on hand in your own country of Germany, Will just mean that you've got complete peace of mind with what you're buying and I've ridden one of these mats for I think I had it for again two weeks they're very very good bikes really that feeling of cool the nostalgia everything that a bike should be in my eyes these have it on tap in abundance let me know what you go for on to the final The final story of the day, and this ties in with my bike of the week. This is all the way over in Australia, and it's from Kieran. Difficulty finding the right bike for your situation. Freddie, a year ago I purchased my Royal Enfield Scram 411. I love this little bike and have done several thousand kilometers whilst on my provisional license. I'm due to go to my open license in November where there's no power to weight restriction in Australia. But this past weekend, I borrowed my friend's Meteor 350 and I went with him for a three-hour round trip through some picturesque towns, fantastic winding roads on a beautiful summer sunny day. He rides a Honda Shadow 750 and I found him pulling away from me all of the time and felt like the little bikes are definitely holding back the experience and freedom of riding. I found the lack of power and highway cruising speeds, in reality, about 110 kilometers an hour on the little meter and scram to be a big bother for me in the last few months, given the sheer distance between locations in Australia. I began looking for something more powerful to accommodate my desire, not to keep up with him, but not to get bogged down. Under load, the poor little bikes struggle up steep hills, which can be quite long stints. After a bit of consideration and some conversation with my mate, I settled on looking for bigger bikes to accommodate myself and allow for longer, more comfortable rides as I'm six foot three. I found myself looking at bikes on the used market. Take a look at this. Suzuki Boulevard M109, which is an enormous eight foot long limousine of a bike with more power than one can shake a stick at. And take a look at this on my right and the more tame but rarer Triumph Thunderbird. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and potential alternatives that I may have missed in my scouting for the bigger tourer. Much love from Australia. Kieran, Kieran, you've got two good bikes there. Let me start because I want to save my bike of the week until the end. It's interesting that you're looking for big cruisers and you have omitted Indians and Harleys. I'm sure the reason for that may be you're not a fan of the brand, but let me give you the short list of five bikes here. Two of them are your own. So the Suzuki Boulevard, known as the intruder in the UK, that is 1800 CC, 123 horsepower, 347 kilos. You can buy one Facebook marketplace, 7,000 pounds, pictured here. Then we go on to the Yamaha XVS 1300 Midnight Star. This is a 1300cc bike, 72 horsepower V twin. It may be down around 50 horsepower or so compared to the Boulevard, but there's nothing to worry about that because 70 horsepower on a big cruiser is more than enough. That Yamaha or that Suzuki Boulevard is way more on the muscle end of the spectrum for a cruiser. this Yamaha has slightly more classic looks and is slightly down on power. I'm then going to move on. I have to chuck one in here. If we're talking about big cruisers, I cannot not mention the Harley Davidson Road King. This is the ultimate tour from Harley Davidson. It's a bona fide legend. And if you're happy to get one with slightly higher mileage, and I'm only talking 38,000 miles on the clock, you can get a Road King for almost exactly the same price as that suzuki boulevard i found one here for example in england of course 2007 harley davidson road king 1600 cc with 60 65 horsepower so almost half the horsepower of that suzuki with all of the panniers white wall tires and just the fact it's got 38000 miles on the clock means you're getting it for significant discount. And 38,000 miles on one of these gigantic bikes is nothing at all. They're specifically built for this kind of riding. I'm then moving on to the final bike, and this is my bike of the week, Triumph. From 2009 to 2016, built the 1600 Triumph Thunderbird. Colossal cruiser of a bike. But within that time frame they also built the slightly more aggressive triumph thunderbird storm they increased the cc the cubic capacity by 100 to make it a 1.7 liter engine and they increased the horsepower from 85 horsepower all the way up to 97 horsepower which is a not insignificant jump in power weight went from 308 kilos all the way up to 339 kilos for the storm but Usually on the classifieds in the used bike market, the Thunderbird Storm will will command a slightly higher premium compared to the normal Thunderbird. But I found one on Facebook marketplace, Triumph Thunderbird Storm, and I really didn't think I'd be able to find one at this price listed 15 days ago, under 6,000 pounds for 10 year old Thunderbird Storm. And this is, a very good looking strip back cruiser but it also comes with all of the panniers, the front screen, the backrest, fully loaded for touring, you don't need to spend a penny on this and a sub 6,000 pound bike like this with all of that aggression, all of that power I think is phenomenal value. I remember I was in Australia funnily enough, nine years ago and I went into a Triumph dealer and there was one of these Thunderbird Storms in the dealer and I was blown away by the presence and the, the sheer physical size of this bike. This is a bike that suits Australian riding perfectly because you can mile munch all day on this, but you've got that added level of aggression that comes with that storm variant of the Thunderbird. And I'll wrap it up there. Happy shopping, Kieran. And again, if you do end up buying one of these bikes, let me know your choice. Thank you so much everyone for watching. Have a brilliant week. recall. Speak to you on the next one.